Hey everyone, Nick here. I help Bud edit the podcast. I just want to give you a heads up that today's episode is going to be a two-parter, so be sure to tune in next Wednesday so you can hear part two. With that out of the way, let's jump into Bud's conversation with Sean Patterson. Hello, everyone. I just want to welcome you to the Constipated Christian. This is Bud. With me today is what? What do you love? I'll never get over the name of this podcast. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Uh, well, that wasn't my choice either. That wasn't my pick. That was me saying, being a professional student, you just go to church, you learn and learn and learn. You never let it out or you go out into the outside world. Alexis said, oh, my gosh, I got a better name than that. And I said, what's that? And she goes, the constipated Christian. I said, oh, my gosh, that's so irreverent, blah, blah. She goes, but think about it. We take it, just what you're saying, you take it all in, you never let it out. It's like you're constipated. Yeah. So James 122, being a hero of the faith and, you know, I being an actor and, and, and just a hero only, I got to thinking about it. I said, oh, my gosh, I love that. Can I use that? So she said, well, yeah, that's what I told you, Pez. This is going to get their attention. And 700 it's hits later. for yeah, sure. Yeah, so. Definitely. Uh, so the uh, topic up to and uh, and all uh, everybody that knows us knows who Sean is. But if you don't know Sean, he's a pastor at our church. Uh, he has a full time job. He has a family. He's got four kids, a beautiful wife. Um, but I'll let him. I mean, basically, uh, that's we do have listeners that don't go to our church. But um, father of four girls, uh, pastor. Uh, he can tell you what he does. I don't know what he does for his outside job. He has a full-time job. Amy has a full-time job. And the thing I love about Sean, he's also our community group uh, leader. Uh, gosh, he oversees us. Um, he's just a beautiful guy. He stays after church uh, to pray, pray every time. He has altar calls when he when he speaks, which is old school, but I love that about him. You know, he's an old school guy. Anyway, we're going to talk about And he also looks like uh, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, the receiver of the Arizona Cardinals, and yes. uh, I have another friend that you guys have heard me talk about, Bill Dubero, who looks like Tommy Lasorda. He wears like uh, uh, Dodger stuff, you know. And, and he's got people come up all the time, ask me for my autographs. Well, just sign it, you know. What's what's a big deal? Oh, I could never do that. That would be Baba. On the other hand, Sean, who has been asked for uh, golf tournaments or whatever, yes. are you ready for Joe? Oh yeah, yeah. Let me sign your your hat or whatever. <laughs> So I, I, I've offered, you know, I've laughed about this on the podcast before. We talked about uh, different people or whatever. But when that kid goes to sell that autograph or compares it with another kid, you know, well, that doesn't look like my autograph. <laughs> so anyway, uh, oh, so anyway, uh, the topic came up. I was talking to somebody, and uh, the disconnect of kids. Um, Young people, everybody's a kid to me. I'm 75, but uh, young people not uh, connecting with what we do and how we bring them along and uh, teaching the next generation. Um, you know, uh, the uh, Psalm 78, uh, and I think Ephesians uh, 6 4, t- just talking about, um, you know, uh, bringing the children along. These are these are future generations, and um, I'm not going to quote the scriptures or whatever. But uh, just the idea of uh, mentoring to our kids, uh, bringing them up in the Word, and then actually uh, showing them, you know, by our actions how to act it out. So in my case, yeah. it'd be the community store and the food pantry and the stuff that I do. And Sean, uh, you know, mentoring his kids. What he's going to talk about that. 
But uh, basically, that was it. Uh, people saying, or this conversation that I had was that people don't uh, kind of not they don't write off this generation, but they feel that this generation is not receptive to what we do. They have their own ideas about what they want to do. They don't want to hear from us. And I said, well, gosh, that's fine. I mean, obviously, I, I'm not going to be connecting with uh, the uh, younger generation, but I have to have a foundation of why we do what we do. And I, and I always go back to, you know, loving our neighbors ourselves. Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, goats and sheep are supposed to um, do the uh, uh, loving, uh, not the loving neighbor, but uh, feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the poor, the widows, the uh, sojourners, the visiting people in prison. I mean, those are foundational things I think I, I have to do if I'm going to pick some stuff to do, uh, what uh, things would I do? So uh, that's what came up. And then I uh, talked to Sean about it. He had a sermon. He actually preached a sermon last uh, week about uh, honoring your parents and, um, uh, you know, the word honor and honor. So that's kind of the premise of what we're going to talk about. And then I also talked to Sean just uh, briefly uh, as we're kind of getting the warm up thing for this thing that um, there are ministers and preachers that go on TikTok and YouTube and on and on, but they're kind of a watered down. Uh, you know, Sean knows more about this than I do, but uh, I was just made aware that there are a lot of preachers and ministers that uh, speak to the youth, but it's uh, everything is okay, nothing is offensive. I mean, yeah. just this wide open thing. So that was the premise of it. Uh, obviously, I'm going to let uh, Sean just talk because he knows more about all this stuff than I do. So take it away, Sean. Yeah, what's going on, world? Uh, Bud is making advanced moves in the podcast world so i'm <laughs> i'm excited to finally get invited to come on and be a part of this um i've been able to listen to a, some of these episodes i've heard my wife his wife on has been on amy yep, yep. um many many of my friends cody and yeah, yeah. Uh, the proofs uh, oh yeah uh, sarah yeah, sarah proofs and natalie, natalie yeah yeah that's true and, yeah. Uh, yeah man so you're uh you're making moves yeah uh, Maybe we'll even have your daughter come on if we can bridge this gap sometime. You know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this. And it's <clears throat> it's funny just even starting with the name of your podcast, <clears throat> the, Constip the Constipated Christian. And, and that that I think that is very much what we're Pulling dealing with yeah, there as it pertains to, you know, one of the issues we see in the church and that... <clears throat> Yeah, I think we're we're educated beyond our level of obedience, right? And so when we talk about what the gap is between generations as far as like what we're seeing from you know Gen Z and below and maybe what what they're not stepping into that uh, we seem to be more bought into um that's a that's a problem we're also seeing in the church as well. And you and I have talked about this plenty of times is that there there very much is you know the the 80 20 rule is live uh in churches that you do have 20 percent of people doing 80 percent of the work and that, that that's a that's an issue um and because not just a generational issue yeah it's, it's, it's not it's, it's, it's not issue a generational of issue. acting out the scriptures yeah right and so i think there's a mm -hmm. couple of of reasons for that um you know one being the fact that I, I think we're so focused on being attractional, we're so focused on um, entertaining folks. Now, again, we would never say that out loud, but 
the way in which we actually try to get people into our churches is by selling the features, right? It's not, we're actually not selling community. We're not selling, we're not even selling Jesus as much. We're, you know, we're talking to them about what things we have for their children and, and how comfortable we can make them. And the fact that we have coffee and we, you know, all that stuff. The right? children's have, ministry, not, yeah. not to put that down, but we got a place oh, for yeah, the yeah. kids, you know, we got the best daycare, not daycare, but childcare. We got yeah. I got a lot of features. Uh, yeah, and we I'm have this beautiful in. building. We did this, <clears throat> yeah, this yeah. building campaign. We drained all of our people of all the resources so we can build this beautiful building, <laughs> right? So, it, so we go all in on True. being attractional. And yes. so you get people in there by, by a – so you're trying to grab consumers, and then consumers come into your churches, and then you get upset at them because they consume, Right. Like that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. All right. And when you think about what Jesus died to offer us, like for him, it, it was not about building mega churches. It was not about how many people can we get into buildings on Sunday mornings, right? That's not what it was about. No, he died to create communities, right? He died to, to empower us to make his great commandment, our greatest concern. That's that's the type of life we're meant to step into. And so as you take it from just what we're seeing in the church and then you take it into our homes, yeah, there is a divide. There is something to be concerned about as it relates to, you know, whether or not our children are stepping in to, you know, the things that we see are actually moving the ball forward as far as, preaching the gospel and bringing people into the kingdom, right? Um, you Like, it's about service, right? It's about service, what Jesus did. And, you know, I, I heard Mark Batterson say these things. And I just think they're, they're really helpful. He said this, he said, you know, why do we believe that the purpose of our lives is to arrive safely at death? Right? And then he says, you know, when did we start believing that God wants us to uh, wants to send us to safe places to do easy things at convenient times with nice people? And what I would say to you, Bud, as as we talk about, you know, what our children are and and you know generations below us are unwilling to do, what I would submit to you is that we're actually we're actually not asking them to do hard things. And as a father of four daughters, let me just tell you, there is a huge temptation to not ask them to do hard things because you want to keep them safe and you want to keep them out of maybe controversial situations. You want to keep them out of danger. You, you know what I'm saying? Like th yeah. there's reasons why you do kind of want to shield them from the hard things. Um, but what's happening is we've, we've invited our children into such an insulated, sterile life you know, where we're not really asking a lot from them. And then we expect them as they become teenagers and as they become young adults, we expect them to begin to raise their hand and say, I'll serve, I'll do the stuff that no one else wants to do. And so I just think that there's, you know, there's some ownership that we need to take um, and on ourselves as it relates to really being disciples who make disciples, right? Yeah, you know, you make a good point about uh, isolating them. Uh, you know, uh, people uh, 
want them to go to homeschool. They want to do uh, Zoom school. They, you know, they just want to keep them out of all this stuff or whatever. But by doing that, by that isolation, you're not preparing them is what the, the word that's coming to mind. But let me let me just tell mm. you, just to that point, okay, my oldest daughter, who you know well, and you know she is a social butterfly if there ever was one. And she's going to be president someday. Yeah, so. I mean, she is she is my world. I, I always tell her, I was like, man, if I was your age, you and I would be the best of friends. Like we would be homies at high school, you know. But, but like for her, I'm just telling you, I took her, she got out of school for, for one year, her ninth grade <clears throat> school year, she was homeschooled. It was the worst thing for her. I can't imagine her so being homeschooled. As much as maybe kind of just bringing, like kind of bringing her closer and bringing her in and, and allowing her to just be with us for a year, we thought that, okay, maybe like our relationship will get better and maybe she'll be able to do this or this or that. No, she wilted in that environment. We couldn't wait to get out of it. Yeah, she, no, I mean, for her. Well, yeah, she missed I, her friends. Yeah, I'm saying, she, you know, you are great. And Amy's great, but her friends, come on. you know. Yeah, even she would admit at the end of it that, man, this was not the best thing for me. And so looking to protect her maybe from some of the things that we were concerned about, like she actually needed to fight through those things and it would have been better off for her, for sure. And, you know, uh, as you're talking about that, you know, we, uh, you know, make our churches be like a safe place. And, you know, I don't know, we're just going to talk about uh, just uh, stuff even for our kids and on. on. I'm reminded of that Francis Chan thing. And I'm a big Francis Chan, but, you know, everybody knows about that. But the balance beam thing, uh, you know, we just go through life on this balance beam. We get up on this beam and then, but then, and then we kind of shrinked down on the beam and now he's holding on to the beam and he's kind of crawling across the beam because he's at different parts of his life. He's saying, gosh, I, I, I just want to have, you know, I want to live in a gated community. I want to keep my kids safe. I want to give them helmets. I want to, you know, do the bike thing. I just want to just, you know, just, just get along, you know, the uh, two cars that, you know, go on vacations and just have this safe, beautiful life for everybody. And then at the end, I'm going to jump. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to jump off the beam and I'm going to put my hands up to the judge and say, you know, where's my 10? I mean, you know, he's going to look at you. It's going to like, you know, give me a break, you know? Yeah. So that's his thing about the, uh, and then arriving the, uh, safely at death, arriving basically. safely at death. And the, yeah. uh, the other one is the uh, rope thing. If you haven't seen the rope illustration, write that one too, because what you do for that little, uh, you know, part, he has this rope. It just goes on for, and that, uh, you know, um, uh, indicates uh, eternity, but that li that three or that little inch of red tape he puts on the end is how long you're here. Mm. So how you live in that little red line and that little red area determines that endless eternity. And people are going to say, oh my gosh, you know, you're at this little point right here. You should be, you know, he goes, yeah. no, at the, I should, you know, you're, and, and they say, you're crazy. He tells him, listen, you're crazy. You're wasting all this little red tape here to determine what it's going to be like for eternity. I don't want to buy into that. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's great. Yeah. And, and I, I think, and you know, I'm on this. I talked about this on Sunday, as far as what I think, um, the impact of what's happening in my home is going to be on the world. Um, that I am not, I am not my greatest gift to the world, right? It's going to be the four young ladies that are growing up in my home. Like th they're the ones who are going to 
make the biggest impact. Um, and so, so I think like the cure to what we're talking about. Well, don't leave that one thing because you said uh, your greatest accomplishment in life or whatever would be to have uh, people see you through your four girls or whatever. That would be. Yeah. Your- yeah. What I, what I said was, <clears throat> and again, this is, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no, 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 I love, no, no, I love it. I think this is perfect. I, I just, I don't, I don't really know a lot of people who think this way. So I always kind of, I, I share it with reservation, but like for me, my desire is to pour myself so much into my girls. That's what it was. Yeah. That when people are with them and they're spending time with them and they say things like, man, I wish I knew your dad, or I'd like to meet your dad. That's what it was. Yeah. Like I want them to be able to say, well, if you know me, you know, my dad, there you go. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's how I feel that that's exactly the what ultimate. I am called to do Right, is <clears throat> I am called to, uh, to love them in such a way and to nurture them in such a way that they become like me or like Christ, like, Christ, like, right. Like me, but I'm my Christ the only way you. I have anything to, to give them is because, you know, I'm trying to be like Christ. Right. So yeah. we're accomplishing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so go ahead with your thought. I, yeah, if you but, remember it, but it actually leads into it because what I'm trying to communicate is like this is the this is the most important opportunity that we have. Like I, I am all for revival. Like I believe there is a day that the Spirit of God is going to move and He's going to sweep souls into the kingdom by the hundreds and the thousands. Like I believe that we're due for a revival, right? That there's going to come a time where where God shows up in such a a profound way. That people just begin to respond as as they have done historically. Okay, I, I believe that's coming, and I, I I desire it, and I want to work towards that. But what I what I believe just as strongly, if not more more, is that the way that the way that Christianity moves from this generation to the mm-hmm. next is actually that's not it, the 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 primary way God wants to do it is not through these revivals that He brings to the earth. He wants to do that through our homes. The way that we're going to see Christianity go from my generation to the next generation is because as a believer, I am committed to raising believers in my home. There's no better seed, there's no better soil than my home to be able to produce believers. And this is where the disconnect is. So when we talk about them not wanting to be doers of the word, but hearers of the word only. Like the opportunity is actually right in front of us. And one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I believe they don't want to be doers, I, I've already spoken to it. You know, we're not asking them to do hard things. Right. But I, I also believe that they're not seeing a, I'm just going to say this straight. Like there's not, enough of a transformational life for them to grab a hold of. All right. So they're growing up in our homes and they're seeing more duty than they're seeing delight. And so when we think about what we're doing to serve in our churches and, and how we're reaching out to people in our world, there's something about it that they're observing and they're saying, nah, that's not it. Well, just uh, what we talked about just 
a little bit ago about uh, two in ten is what you're saying. Even when they come to church and they're now they're out of their family, they're surrounded by supposedly like-minded people. We're all supposed to be like-minded, and they only see two out of ten people or families that even esteem this uh, whole idea about service and serving and loving our uh, loving our neighbors and on and on. So, I mean, uh, that would be discouraging. I, I would think, you know, I, I would question my parents, why do you want to hang out with these people if you really believe that you're supposed to be servants your whole life is to be the greatest thing you become in God's eyes as a servant? And eight, eight out of 10 of them don't believe that because, you know, they're not doing it. I, I shouldn't say they're do, I'm generalizing or whatever, sure. but they don't do it, the James one twenty two thing. So why are we even here? Why don't we go someplace that would be more, uh, you know, about, you know, being uh, community minded or whatever. And and so uh, back to that point, uh, that, that comment that people were saying, well, they you know, they have better ideas and how to do stuff or whatever. And, well, foundationally, as long as they're doing what Christ says for us to do, I'm all for that. I was so encouraged by, and I usually don't name names, but I'm going to say Aragon, uh, the uh, Tiarina's kid. Awesome, yeah. Uh, he brings these three girls in. Uh, you know, whether they're girlfriends or, or I mean, a girl. They, 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 they were friends. They, they show up at the community store. Like, you know, and, and we only ask them to come like, you know, once a month or whatever. I think they came three weeks in a row. I haven't seen them since or whatever. But wow, that vision of all of a sudden, and the girls took over the counter. They checked everybody in on the computer. They just took this over. They took ownership. Aragon was doing other stuff. He was going out and talking to the people, I think, out in the, you know, because again, we talk about this, all these are vehicles to get to this outside of the patio, really, when they're done shopping, that, you know, can I give you a cup of coffee and a donut? And how's your day going? Having a terrible day, and can I pray for you? And then, you know, that's the, the closing of the circle. They took ownership of this, and I, and I told the, you know, because you know, some of the, uh, you know, one of the volunteers. Well, listen, I, I'm I'm behind the counter. I do this. I said, hey, let them do. As long as they want to come, let's just observe them how they do. And I thought, gosh, this is so beautiful. I haven't talked to him since, and I am going to talk to him after we, you know, or, or uh, you know, later on about, you know, hey, gosh. If that's what you guys want to do, if you ever want to come and just take over a whole shift, please bring all your ki- your friends yeah. and just do it, you know? Yeah. Here's what we're dealing with, I think. <clears throat> I, I feel like the generation – so, and I would say this this is a millennial issue. I am a millennial. I'm on, like, the very fringe. You can definitely call me. How old are you anyway? I'm, I'm 38. Okay. Turn 39 in August. So for millennials down to going into Gen Zers, like we live in a world now where like people, like when you think about your career, all right, what what you're going to do to support yourself, what you're going to do to raise a family. There was a time when some of that wasn't even really your choice. Some of that, like you ended up doing something that you didn't want to do, but it was just what you had to do duty wise because it was going to be what you could do to provide for yourself. Make a living. We don't live in that world anymore. You realize that we live in a world now where people think when they think about what they're going to do to support themselves more than the amount of money they're going to make. They're thinking about, is this something that I'm passionate about? Is this, is this my calling? Is this what's going to make me happy? That is, that is actually more of an indicator for people of whether or not they want to do something anymore than actually the amount of money they're going to get paid. And so you have these, these, these generations of people who they actually don't do well 
with the idea of let's do this because it's our duty. And so if if in any way, shape or form, and I'm, tr I'm trying to give all of us the keys. And again, I'm just a beggar trying to point us all to where the bread is because I'm still figuring this out with my girls still coming up. But like anytime I try to impress upon them, you need to do this because this is your duty. It's like it's they go Migo on me. You know what Migo is? Migo is my eyes glaze over. Like blank. they just like call it blank. Yeah, they just don't even understand what I'm saying when I when I try to impress upon them something they need to do by duty. And so, but what I've seen though is when when I can appeal to them and say, no, this is who we are. All right, identity. Okay. This is who we are. Like it it's a game changer. And so, like just speaking to you know, what happened with, uh, you know, the kids who came and helped with the, the, like the way that that's sustainable long-term, it's not because they're thinking to themselves, oh, this is something that I'm committed to. I just, I have to do it. It's my, no, if they're going to be there long-term, it's because somehow, some way in their minds and in their hearts, they determine, no, this is actually who I am. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Constipated Christian Podcast. However you are tuning in, be sure to follow or subscribe, as well as leave a rating and review. If you are interested in learning more ways on how to live out your faith, you can visit our website at theconstipatedchristian.org. And if you'd like to leave Bud or one of our guests a comment, you can email it to theconstipatedchristian at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.